We're going to deal with the attribute of love and uh, love according to the Apostle John. Okay, you got your picture, didn't you? Okay. (laughs) Got to get that. Okay. Uh, Scriptures. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Psalm 149, verse 6. And since we're dealing with love, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And now this is a key verse that I really love. Herein is love, or in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation the satisfactory payment for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. Hallelujah. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, and we examine this aspect of love, Lord, this is the supreme thing I think that you really want to communicate to us about your nature, that you are love. And Lord, you've demonstrated this by sending your only Son here to earth, Lord, to not only show us uh, who you are and uh, what you are, but also, Lord, to hang on that cross, Lord, as a payment of our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just burn this message into our hearts, Lord God, and uh, teach us from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We've been dealing with the series on the weapons of God. We saw that uh, the uh, we're in a spiritual warfare, and uh, we've been talking about the weapons that we can use in this warfare against the enemy of our souls. And uh, we saw this from Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verses three and four. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but a mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. No matter how powerful the strongholds are in your life that the enemy has built up, God's weapons can tear them down. Against us, the gates of hell will not prevail. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. Now, those weapons that we've covered are the Word of God, prayer in the Spirit, fasting, the name of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, and the Word of His testimony, and finally, the high praises of God that we've been covering recently. Been talking about that, and we've seen in general there's two types of praise. There's thanksgiving, where we praise God for what He has done, is doing, and will do in our lives in the future. And then there's adoration. We worship. Remember what worship means? Means worth-ship. We worship God because He is worthy of it. Because we worship Him for who He is and what He is. He is worthy of our praise for His attributes. 
Okay, now I mentioned the attributes of God too. These attributes included, but not are, are not restricted to, His love, which we're going to cover today, or start to cover. I'm, I'm going to spend more than one week on this because the love of God is so important. Amen? Yes. How many think the love of God is important? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is light. Yes. You know, it says earlier, we're going to be talking a lot about the first epistle of John. It says in, in that first epistle, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Then there's His holiness, there's His eternity, there's His justice, there's His truthfulness, and then there's the, 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 the great omni uh, attributes of God, omni being all, He is omnipotent, He is omnipresent, He is omniscient, okay? So He is all omnipresent, he is everywhere present, he is omnipotent, he's all powerful, there's nothing that God cannot do, and then there's omniscience, God knows everything about you, so don't try to hide from him, he knows what's going on in your life, he knows what you're thinking, okay, you can't hide from him, praise the Lord, it's a good thing to know too, hallelujah, hallelujah, there's many other attributes too. And we'll look at all of these, uh, try to look at all of these in later messages. But first we're going to look at love. And there's so many aspects of love that we, uh, we need to think about. But first of all, I want to lay the foundation for this. I've, I've shared with th- this with you before. Okay? They have a saying that the Greeks have a word for it. You know... When it comes to love, we, we really only have the one word love, or, or you could maybe say adoration too. But the Greeks had four different words for uh, love. There was first of all, love, or eros, which is love in the fleshly or sensual realm. Now usually we, when we think of this, we think of uh, 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 sexual love, you know, uh, but it's not restricted to that. You know, in fact, sexual love, uh, eros, that's where we get our word erotic from. Okay? But it's more than that, too. You know, I, I remember once when I was, uh, uh, you know, my first extended tour of uh, Thailand, I worked under a, a missionary. His name was Dan Grubbs. And I remember we first went over and sat down to a um, Thai meal at one of the Thai restaurants in there. And, uh, you know, they served me up Thai tea. Has anybody had Thai tea before? Yeah. If you haven't had Thai tea, come over because Dolly will make it for you. But anyway, uh, I just uh, remember Thai tea, you know, uh, when I served there with Linda Gross. And then, of course, I was there in the Air Force, too. And they sat before I just tasted it. And I said, I love it. And uh, Dan Groves kind of looked at me. You know, he, he was kind of like a, a big brother to me. You know, he took me under his wing. But sometimes he could be harsh and judgmental. And he rebuked me for saying, I love this Thai tea. You know, and uh, he said uh, to me, you know, it says, it, you know, it, uh, so often, you know, uh, we're, you know, well, we're, we're supposed to love people and use things, right? But you ever heard that? 
we, we love people and use things, but so often we get that in our carnal, you know, human state. We reverse that. And instead, we love things and use people. How many of you know what I'm talking? You ever heard that before? You know, so he, he, he led into me with that. But, you know, what, what Dan was really just uh, kind of underscoring is the deficiencies of the Greek language. You know, I wouldn't have said, you know, I love this, you know, me, meaning the same, like I love uh, people. Instead, I would have said, I eros this Taiti. You know, it gives me a wonderful sensation. So that's, you know, that's on the, the lowest plane right there, for the fleshly and sensual realm. Then there's a, a storge, which is a, uh, you know, I, I copied this directly from the internet. It's a fondness of familiarity that is family members or people who relate in familiar ways, family type ways. Now, these first two terms are never found in the New Testament. Instead, you have phileo. Who knows what Philadelphia means? The city of brotherly love. They get it from this phileo right here. And this type of love is most often shown between close friendships. You know, we uh, develop a strong affection or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this friendship type of love for that person. But finally, there is the highest love, which is agape. And basically, agape is the love by choice. I believe that this is part of the uh, uh, image of God, that God gives us the capacity to love whatever we want to by choice. It doesn't mean it's unconditional love. It doesn't depend on the intrinsic merits or qualities of the beloved. God loved us, right? And he uses that word agape. He didn't love us because we were lovable. He loved us because he chooses to love us. Okay, now, today we're going to talk about love and we're going to see what the Apostle John had to say about it. Next week I'm going to cover the same topic, but I'm going to instead examine what Paul had to say about this agape love. And... John had much to say on this subject of agape love. In fact, it's probably the most common theme that is found in his writings. You know, in his gospel, you know, the gospel of John, John never refers to himself by his name. He doesn't use the uh, personal pronoun I or me either. Instead, what he says is he's, he uh, describes himself, by the way, every time you see John in John's gospel, it's referring to John the Baptist, not John the Apostle. He would refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was the most important thing he remembered about Jesus Christ. He was incarnate love because God is love. And that's the important, most important thing that he remembered about his Lord and Savior. 
You know, it's said that in, in, at the end of his life, John became the bishop of the uh, city of Ephesus. You know, there was an epistle that was written to Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. And uh, uh, John also wrote uh, in his letters to the churches, one of the churches there was Ephesus. And he later became the bishop. And he was really old at that point. He was most likely in his 90s. But you know what he would do when he would talk to his congregation? He would say, little children love each other. And somebody got frustrated. Well, why do you always say that, uh, uh, you know, Bishop? And he replied, it is the Lord's command and it is enough. You know, I knew a pastor too that was uh, pastored a huge church. He was called the love pastor. You know why? Because every single message he got up there was about love. And he built a congregation of maybe 10,000 people. Wow. You know, just on that one message alone. So that was the important thing, the most important thing that he could share with his congregation and John could share with his too. So today, mostly I'm going to refer to John's first epistle, although I will also use his gospel as well, as well as the uh, uh, book of Revelation, and uh, maybe scatter a couple of other uh, verses in there uh, along the way. Now, I highly recommend that you read the first epistle of John. How many of you have even uh, read it at uh, one time? You know, it, there's, I, I counted them up yesterday. You know how many verses are in the uh, first epistle of John? There's 105 verses. In other words, you can read through that entire epistle in about 15 minutes. Won't take you long. Can you invest 15 minutes of your time just to read that uh, particular epistle? You know, it's easy to read too. In fact, this is the most simplistic. Uh, when I, I was taking Greek in my uh, final year of Bible college, you know, uh, you know, it was his second year Greek, and uh, he set us to work on translating the epistle of first epistle of John, and it was easy to read because the language is so simplistic. But you know what? It's more than simplistic language. It's got, uh, you know. Uh, concepts in there. It's got subjects in there that are just so deep. And you can take just uh, a verse or two and you can just spend hours just thinking about it. That's just classic of the uh, writings of uh, John. And, uh, uh, you know, my advice is read it, but don't just read it through once. Read it through again and again and again. You know, you could read that thing through every day, invest 15 minutes a day, and read it through every day for a month. And every time you read it through again, you'll see new things in there that you didn't see before. That's the way that the writings of John are. So anyway, we're going to be spending time about in it today. And you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. Before we get into the epistle of John, let's look at the agape love 
in John's gospel. Again, the agape love, I want you to remember, what's the agape love? The agape love is a love by choice. It's not dependent on the intrinsic merits of what you're loving. It's an unconditional love. And God's love for us is unconditional too, isn't it? Okay, now I've heard uh, these messages before about uh, the agape love and how that's God's love. It's unconditional and, uh, you know, that's what, the way that we're supposed to love too. Uh, you know, so yeah, we, we all, too often, too many people think of the agape love just as being God's love. But it's not just God's love. How do we know that? Because in John chapter 3, verse 19... Jesus said, and this is condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. That word love there, love darkness, it's the same agape love. And so this is why I'm telling you that agape love is simply a love by choice. Unconditional love. They love by choice. It's not restricted to God alone. Everybody that loves agapes something, someone or something. You know, the drunk loves his bottle. He agapes his bottle. The drug addict agapes his pills or his, his uh, needle. The uh, sex addict Agapes his pornography or whatever it is that he's involved in. And the problem is, these things are not lovable. Amen? They're not lovable because they are destroying the life of the person that does them. They are choosing, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in, in the Return of the God series talking about Ashtoreth, Right? Okay? And people love Ashtoreth. They love her because they choose to love her. And they're communing, when they engage in these sins, they're communing with the spirits that are behind these sins. And these spirits, you know what you know about these spirits? They hate us. So you have the choice of loving God who loves you or loving these spiritual forces behind these sins, which hate you. So you're choosing to love what hates you when you engage in these sins. I can't make it more clear than that, brothers and sisters. You should hate them. You should choose to hate them, not love them. Okay? Those spirits want to nothing more than to pull your soul right down into hell. And they would destroy, they're, they're destroying your life if you engage in them. And they would uh, kill you and they want to destroy everything about you. They want to steal from you. Jesus said the thief comes but to kill, to steal, I'm sorry, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So don't commune with these spirits. And every time you choose to uh, sin, in some area, you're choosing you know, to uh, follow the, those that which hates you. So that's reason enough to resist it. Amen? Okay. Now, I'm sorry. Uh, 
The other thing I wanted to point out to you about the agape love in John's gospel is uh, the story of Peter's restoration. You find this in uh, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And uh, remember, G- uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, right? Yes. Okay. So at his restoration, Jesus gave him opportunity to confess him three times too, to indicate his love for him. Now there's a play on words in the uh, original text that you can't see in the English, but I'm going to explain it to you. Okay, John chapter 15. I'm sorry, John chapter 21, verse 15. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Do you agape me more than these? He was, when he said more than these, he was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, Peter was discouraged. He denied the Lord. He thought it was all over. So he went to Galilee with some of the other disciples and said, I'm going fishing. In other words, basically, I'm going back to what I was before, a fisherman. And so they said, well, we'll go with you. And then they do all the fish. You know, they couldn't find any fish. And then they see Jesus on the shore there. And uh, he tells them, you know, just like he did earlier in the gospel uh, stories of throwing their nets out in a certain place. And, you know, they hadn't caught any fish. And they think, well, there's no need to do this. But, you know, we'll humor this guy. You know, they didn't realize it was Peter at uh, Jesus at first. And they did what he said. And then the net was so full, it almost broke. And then they realized, hey, it's the Lord in his resurrection. So they get over there. They're eating fish and uh, some bread that Jesus had provided. And this is where the restoration. So when Jesus said, do you love me more than these? In other words, do you love me more than your fishing occupation? And he uses... That highest word there, agape. Do you choose to love me more than your fishing? And he, that is Peter, says to him, Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter uses the lower form, the phileo. Yes, Lord, you know that I've got this strong Affinity, you know, this strong feeling towards you. You know, you're, you're my good, very good friend. So he's using the lower form of love there. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? Again, the high form, do you choose to love me? And Peter says to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I've got this strong, you know, friendship feeling towards you. This phileo. Again, so Jesus is trying to pull him up to the highest love there, the agape love, the love by choice. And Peter keeps answering and going to the lower form of love. And Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Do you have this 
feeling, this strong feeling towards me. Do you really have that feeling? And that's why it says, you notice there, it says Peter was grieved because he said to him the third, not only did he ask him the third time, but the third time he's saying, do you really have this strong feeling, this strong feeling of friendship towards me? You know, so Jesus condescends to him. He uses the same term that Peter was using. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you really phileo me? Do you really have that strong feeling towards me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo, you know. Uh, So, you know, he affirms him the third time. And then, you know what Jesus told him after that? He said, uh, you know, basically he said, it's going to cost you, Peter. To follow me. It's eventually going to cost you your death. He said, uh, truly I tell you that uh, when you were young, you went whenever, wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, they are going to l- stretch out your arms and lead you to a place where you don't want to go. And this was fulfilled to the letter Because church tradition says that Peter eventually became the bishop at Rome and they martyred him. They martyred him by crucifying him. And when they went up to crucify, so they stretched out his hands, you know. And you know the way that they uh, crucified him? They came to him and said, we're going to crucify you. And he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. And so you know what they did? They crucified him, but they crucified him upside down, which was an even more painful way maybe to to go. Okay, so Jesus is basically says, Peter, I'm glad you've got this affinity towards me. You know, in time it'll grow into the agape love, but it's going to cost you. And sometimes that's what it really costs, you know, to follow the Lord. Okay, now, to John's epistle. John, John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, he tells us twice, he makes this statement, God is love. God is love. Some people, most notably in the Gnostic, Gnostic religions like Christian science, unity. You know, believe me, I know about these uh, Gnostic religions because my grandmother, who is kind of the matriarch of our family, wielded so much influence. She got so many members of my family into unity. And there's also uh, Eastern religions. These misinterpret this they take that statement, God is love, and you know what they do? They turn it around. And they say, that means love of God. Love, love is God. And that's the problem there. Love is God. Now you can't do that logically. And a good example of that is, I say to you, all rabbits are four-footed animals. Right? Everybody with me there? All rabbits are four-footed animals. But can I reverse that and say all four-footed animals are rabbits? 
No, you can't do that. That reversibility doesn't work. Okay? So, the, the problem is here, you know, uh, they're making a God out of love. That's what they're doing. An impersonal force like love, they say, this is God. You know, and that's why they, they, they go into, you know, the error of these religions is they think that God is an impersonal force. Okay? We don't believe in an impersonal force, do we? We believe in a personal God. Amen? Okay, so they deny that. Truly God is love, as we just read, but he is much more than that. God is also just. He's a God of justice. He is a God of holiness. He is holy. And the many other attributes as well. God is much more. So to know him only as being love is to make a God out of love. And that is shortchanging the one and true God. It's shortchanging him at best. And it's outright heresy at worst. And this is borne out by uh, other things that God tells us. Specifically, and I'm going to talk about this in just a minute, uh, verse uh, 10 of uh, uh, John chapter 4. Sand- it's sandwiched right in between those two references, verse 8 and verse 16. Sandwiched right in between the two of them is verse uh, 10. Now, as I read through the first epistle of John looked up all the references in my Strong's Concordance of love. By the way, you know how many times uh, John talks about love in those 105 verses? There's a hundred and uh, I'm sorry, there's 105 verses there. 46 times he mentions this agape love. That's about one almost once every other verse. And he taught, he mentions it 27 times in this fourth chapter alone. Okay? So as I med- meditate upon it, I just, uh, uh, you know, things that st- stood out to me, there's five aspects of God's love in the, this epistle. First of all, God's love originates with him. It is not possible... It is not possible for fallen humanity to love him with the agape type love apart from his first shedding his love upon us so that we might reflect that love to others. You cannot love, you cannot agape love God in the natural. He had to take the initiative. Verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, the satisfactory payment for our sins. So that statement says that love originates with God and reaches its fullest extent by the fact that he sent his son to be that atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus himself said that too. He said, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for 
his friends. Okay? Now, see, this is a thing about these Gnostic religions, is they love this, uh, God is love, God is love, but right in between there, talks about Jesus being the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And they deny that. That's typical of the cults, though. They uh, pick and choose whatever they want to believe, you know, the scriptures out of there, and they ignore everything else that they don't like. Sounds like the Democrats, too, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Little plug inside. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Now, see, this statement about being the atoning sacrifice is outright denied by Gnosticism and the Eastern religions. In a large part, they do not believe in sin, and therefore, they, because they don't believe in sin, they deny the blood atonement, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mary Baker, Baker Eddy was the founder of Christian science. And Mary Baker Eddy once wrote, there is no sin, sickness, or death. Then she died. <laughs> You know, my mentor, uh, the late Dr. Walter R. Martin, he, he had the most beautiful gift of sarcasm. And I remember him standing up before the, you know, he, he would have a question and answer period before he would go into the Sunday school lesson at his Sunday school class. And I mean, there were about maybe two or three hundred people that were there in that room. And he said, anybody out there who used to be a Christian scientist? Anybody out there that was a Christian science before and they, then they found out that Mrs. Be, uh, Mrs. Eddy died? <laughs> so, <laughs> that, was, that was vintage Walter Martin, you know. So, uh, unfortunately, Mrs. Eddy proved that there was death by participating in it, experiencing it firsthand. So, she was dead wrong about there not being any death. And she was dead wrong about there not being any sin. Again, this is 1 John here. 1 John 1.8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. Okay? But again, you know, they want to just read this God is love there and just ignore all the rest of what uh, John is talking. I incidentally, John wrote the epi his epistle as a refutation of the Gnosticism of his day. Okay, number two here. Number two. As God loved us sacrificially by sending His Son to die for us, we are also directed to love other people in a sacrificial way. How many of you know John 3.16? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, who knows 1 John 3.16? You know that one? It says, By this we know love. We know this agape love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You give of yourself. You give of yourself. As he loved us sacrificially, you love 
others sacrificially as well. Then he defines how you do this. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God, how does that agape, that unconditional love for God abide in him? My little children, let us love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, James talks about this too. You know, he talks about faith without works is dead. And then he tells you how to put your faith into practice. That's what John is saying here. 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. You know, that was one of the last commandments that Jesus gave. You remember, I've talked about the upper room discourse. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you to love one another. So you receive God's love and then you reflect it out. It doesn't originate from you, from your uh, flesh. It originates with God. Amen? Okay. Number three. If we truly love agape God, we will obey His commandments. John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected, that is, made complete. In him. By this we know that he, we are in him. We keep his word. We keep his commandments. 1 John chapter 5 verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep. Yeah. Keep means obey. Obey his commandments. For this is. The love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. A lot of people say, well, I don't know if I want to be a Christian. Then I've got to give up all my favorite things, you know, and uh, i got to keep all these Ten Commandments and everything. It's, it's so hard to be a Christian. But it's interesting that John says that God's commandments are not burdensome. They're not a burden. How are they not burdensome? Well, they're hard for us only when we try to obey them in our own strength rather than receiving the love of God into our lives and living the crucified life. And I've talked so much at length about the crucified life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You live that crucified life, then the commandments are not going to be burdensome. We're to obey. I'm sorry, I'm a slide behind again. Okay, we are to obey his commandments. 
John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Are you a child of God? We're the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And then he concludes, in, And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself. Purifies himself. Keeps himself pure by obeying the commands of God, just as He is pure. Now this is one of the truly great promises God gives us. That of our future exaltation in the life to come. Becoming like Him. How many of you want to become like God? Everybody should want to be like God. You know, you can be like Him even in this life by letting His love flow through you. Okay, but one day we are going to be like God. I've talked about before the resurrection body that Jesus had and that he's going to give us too. Amen? Okay, we shall be like him. So and we will become like him because he loves us so much. And if we have that future hope, how much more ought we to live the holy lives, obeying his commandments, and living for the life to come rather than the life here in this present evil age. How many of you will live for the life to come? You live for the life to come by loving God and letting his love flow through you, touching others and obeying his commandments. Okay. We're moving right along here. Aspects of God's love, the agape love again. Number four, our love for God is to eclipse or supersede our love for the world. You remember the three great enemies I've told you about in this life? The three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay? The world. You, John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 7, through 17, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of the Lord abides forever. You remember when I was going through the return of the gods, the first god was Baal, and I told you that I, after reading through the chapters that uh, uh, Jonathan Kahn wrote on Baal, I came to the conclusion, this sounds you know, very much like the uh, worship of the world. To worship Baal is to worship the world. And it leads to the uh, spirit of Ashtoreth and all the sin that was associated with her. 
to partake of her sins, Ashtoreth's sins, is lethal to the soul. You read uh, here, I'll just read a few uh, verses out of Revelation chapter uh, 17. talks about Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great is nothing more than the spirit of uh, uh, goddess Ashtoreth. It says, and the woman, that is the woman that he abused, the great whore of Babylon, was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and bedecked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornications. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the drunk blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great wonder. Then you skip over to chapter, this is chapter 17 of Revelation. You skip to chapter 18. Babylon the Great is destroyed by God in one day. And John says, I heard another voice from heaven. Come out from her, you my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Say, so what, what, uh, how come these people, these ungodly people are getting away with what they're doing? They're not going to get away with it forever. God is going to intervene. And he says, come out from her, come out from this spirit of the world, that you partake not of her, her sins. Heavy thought. Amen? Okay. James put it, puts it this way. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know, do not, not realize that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever then wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Adulterers and adulteresses, God views partaking of this world system as being spiritual adultery against him. As believers, we're to be the bride of Christ. Amen? Amen. We're to be faithful to him. He wants a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle, ready to meet him in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes. Who wants to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Huh? Amen. Everybody should be raising their hands. Yes. If, you don't, if you're not at the marriage supper of the Lamb, you're going to be at the great white throne judgment. And believe me, as I've told you before, you want no part of that. We're to be his bride without spot or wrinkle. Amen? So purifies himself. Purifies himself as he himself is pure. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. So Paul's saying, stop thinking like the world wants you to think. Have your mind renewed. You renew your mind by thinking God's thoughts. How do you think God's thoughts? By getting to know this book right here. 
That's how you think God's thoughts. Hallelujah. You're transformed by reading the word. Okay, almost finished here. Number five. The love of God will dispel all fear in your life. Amen. John wrote in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, Love has been perfected or made complete among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. In the day of judgment. Once again, he's talking about the justice of God. You ever stop and think about, you know, getting before God in that day of judgment? Are you going to tremble with fear? Not if you love Him. Because as He is, so are we in this world. And here it is. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. If you do something wrong, you're trembling and everything, it torments you. God doesn't want you to be afraid of Him. When I say, you know, don't fear God, I don't mean, you know, don't have reverence for Him and respect Him for His authority and love Him for what He's done for you. I mean, don't be afraid of it. How can you love somebody if you're afraid of them? Right. And many people here have not had good relationships with their fathers. I've always kind of thought that the way you learn to relate to man is through your mother, but you learn to relate to, to God through your father, because the father is usually the, or supposed to be, the authority figure in there. Supposed to be. So... Yeah, supposed to be, but too often, you know, we have earthly fathers that fail us miserably. Okay? I would say that if you want to know what God wants fathers to be, you look at Him. Exactly. Okay? That's how you learn to relate to Him. If you had a poor relationship with your father, don't look at Him. You look at God. Because God is the ideal father. And if you're afraid of him, you're deathly afraid of God. How can you have? How can you love him? It's almost like uh, those those two things are are opposite. Okay, but God, that's why God does not want you to be afraid of him. He does uh, when he says to fear God. He means you get you reverence him, you give him respect, the respect that he is due as the king of the universe. Yes. Okay, so Jesus also said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, reverence him, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's been said that he who truly fears God, that is, reverences him, and loves him, I might add, does not need to fear anyone else. Okay. We're almost finished here. Okay. Conclusions. God's love 
originates with him. This is a recap of the points that I made. God's love originates with him. It is not possible for you in your fallen humanity, in your flesh, to love him with the agape type love apart from his shedding this love and his blood upon us so that we might reflect it back to him. He sheds that, the, the love of God is everywhere, all around us. All you got to do is just sit down, get quiet before, and just say, I'm going to receive that love. Amen. And then you take that love and you reflect it back to Him and back to everyone around you. Okay? Can't do it in your flesh. You can only do it by receiving God's love first. Number two, God, as God loved us sacrificially by sending His Son to die for us, <clears throat> we are also directed to love other people in this same sacrificial manner. Number three, if we truly love, if we truly agape love unconditionally, we will obey His commandments. Number four, our love of, for God is to eclipse our love for the world because the Lord will try to get us to rebel against God, disobey Him, and that will bring forth death. And number five, the love of God will dispel all fear in your life. You will no longer be afraid of God or man. Amen. You will fear Him, you will reverence Him, but you won't be afraid of him. Okay. Final scripture I want to share with you and then I'm done. As I mentioned before, the church at Ephesus where Paul or John became a bishop at the end of his life. And before he went there though, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos where God gave him the vision that we find in the book of Revelation. And in that vision, Jesus directed him to write the letters to seven churches. And he wrote the one to the church of Ephesus, and he said this to them, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Mm. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Translation, people at Ephesus, you know, church at Ephesus, you're doing everything light, right, except you are failing to love me as you loved me in the beginning. Lord. And then he beckons them to return to their first love. You know, I've been thinking, uh, several weeks ago, I delivered a message on the judgment seat of Christ. How many of you remember that message? Yes. You know what I think Jesus is going to be looking for more than anything else in our lives is our love for Him. That's what He's most concerned with. 
How much do you love? How much do you agape him? What's the first command? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. You shall agape the Lord your God. You love him by choice. 1 John 4.10 Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and set His Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's where it all is. You always go to the cross if you want to see what true love is. Amen. Okay, I'm going to close here with a song. This is a little bit longer than the ones I usually play, but it's got so much meaning to it. It's called At the Cross by Hillsong. And I want you to pay special attention to the third verse because it talks about when we go to meet Him. You know, the point our hearts are stirred, Lord, with the presence of your love here. And Lord, teach us, Lord, to receive that love. Teach us, Lord, to learn to get quiet before you each day and to think and meditate on your word that our minds would be transformed by being renewed through your word. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, burn this message into our hearts, Lord, starting from the pastor on down, Lord, and help us to put it into practice, Lord God. And to show our love for others, for you and for others, Lord God, in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 You love him? Praise God. I love him. Okay, well, I'm going to continue that subject next week. I'm going to be talking about love according to the Apostle John, though. And John had a lot to say on that subject of agape love, too. Hallelujah. Okay, uh, prayer request. We've got a praise report from uh, uh, Lane and uh, Marlena. So we always have to give God praise for that. Also with Dolly, and I'm going, uh, we're. Pray for us that God will give us traveling mercies. We got to go to Phoenix again for a a couple of days so she can get sworn in, and uh, we'll have a new citizen next week. Okay. Good godly citizen. Okay. Pray for Sean and Grace. Uh, He called me and told me the news that. at, at the time, he said she may go within half an hour or an hour. Um, he hasn't called me. Maybe I'll try to call him to find out if she's passed or not. But uh, uh, Grace's mother. Yeah, Grace's mother. Yeah. I, you may not, I don't know if uh, you were all here when I made that announcement. Uh, or didn't. No, I, I made it while I, during the course of my uh, sermon. Okay, but anyway, pray for them. Pray that they will be able to cope with the loss. I think that uh, Jewel is taking it very hard to losing her grandmother. And I don't know, maybe this might be her first real experience with, with death, yeah, at her young age. But anyway, pray for them.
and uh, you know it's time of loss but it's also a time of rejoicing you know she knows the Lord and she may be in his presence right now so pray for Sean and Grace and Jewel pray that they would help them to recover pray that Grace will also be a witness to her brother her brother has been the, the main one that's taking care of her they, they're in Los Angeles right now okay um, other prayer requests we always remember uh, <clears throat> Teresa Maxell and uh, Laura Okay, uh, Sue, Sam, and who, who did you say? You can pray for Ethan and Pam and Sue. Okay. And you for safe journey. Okay. Yeah, we always remember Ethan. Did Ethan run out? He came here for a minute. Oh, he's in there. Oh, he's, he's in there. Hello, Ethan. Can't see you. He left. Okay. Okay, Ethan and Pam. Okay, okay. Ethan and Pam and uh, Trevi. Uh, Trevi's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Trevi was not feeling well, and she told me that she may leave early. Okay. So pray for her. Um, she. Trevi has good days and bad days. Okay. Okay. And uh, uh, Dolly and me for traveling mercies. Okay, so you what? Thursday. Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the day we're leaving too. Okay, so uh, Cheryl for uh, traveling mercies. Okay. Um, okay, uh, we got Laura. We got uh, Mary Woodward again. Pastor Sandra. Bob McClay, oh, I got word from Bob McClay just a day or two ago. They've uh, scheduled the operation for her, his foot for uh, June 2nd. So a little over a month from now. Um, the I think it's on the outside of his right foot. The bone is growing abnormally and it's been causing those foot infections so they're going to sounds kind of gross they're going to open it up and try to shave that bone down so pray for the operation itself and uh, that uh, it will do have its uh, desired effect bob is uh, in the in the uh, phoenix area too in fact uh, uh, dolly and i might be staying with the uh, uh, him and his wife. His wife is uh, my second cousin. But we, we're really close to them because they're really wonderful Christians. In fact, I, it's like I'm closer to them than I am to my immediate family in uh, the San Diego area because we've got the uh, uh, the Lord in common. So anyway, I'll be uh, seeing Bob 
in just a few days, and uh, hopefully everything's going to work out. And also pray for um, uh, Renee. Renee is Bob's wife. Uh, her mother, Roberta, is you know kind of kept in touch with us. She and her uh, uh, husband, uh, uh, Ron, were Pentecostal uh, uh, pastors there for a number of years. They're really wonderful uh, Christians, wonderful people in the Lord. But she is undergoing a lot of pain, you know, in her back and several other places. And she's been taking morphine to do with it, to deal with it. And unfortunately, the uh, morphine is not doing the job it used to do. You know, like all opioids, you know, it kind of, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work after a while. So pray for her. In fact, we, you know, when we went to Phoenix the last uh, time, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, we stayed with uh, Roberta. So anyway, pray for her. My friend, okay, pray for Tukata. Uh, Tukata, uh, they did the operation on her, but. Uh, Unfortunately, as it is true with cancer many times, you know, it metastasizes and then it starts spreading all over the place. And unfortunately, that's what it looks like has happened with Dukata. Uh, uh, so we're, we're praying for her. You know, uh, Dolly said, you know, pray to the Lord. You know, told her to pray to the Lord. So... Um, now, the, th- the, the thing, though, uh, I want to say this, though. You know, it's not like a slot machine where you plug in a prayer and you get a jackpot every time. Sometimes God does not answer our prayers. You know, all of us have been around long enough to to know that. But the thing is, you know, God can bring the ultimate healing too. So the main thing is for her to find the Lord before... You know, she passes on from this life. So we got Tukata, we got uh, John, Pranam. Okay, anybody else, sweetheart? Lali. Who? Lali. Okay, yeah, Larry. Okay, we put it here, Larry. Okay. I haven't talked to Larry for a while, so I need to find out how he's doing. You know, he had that uh, surgery that removed his prostate gland, so. You know, find out how he's doing. You know, he hasn't asked for prayer, but I need to do follow-up with him. Okay. Okay. Boy, that's a horrible thing to lose your mother-in-law on your birthday. Okay, we'll all have to send him birthday greetings. Okay. Um, <clears throat> pray for the city of Fredonia. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to meet with the uh, marshal before I leave. Because some of the uh, stuff from that convoy of hope was earmarked for the uh, fire marshal and also for the uh, police here. They want us to Meet the influencers of the community. Let them know that we're here, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, uh, other prayer requests? Yes, Marlena. I, um, 
I am praying for somebody named Gage who just found out that he has liver cancer. Okay, Gage for liver cancer. And also, I do have a praise. Before we met any of you, we only had like maybe one friend, you know. Mm -hmm. But now, in in this desert town, in this desert area, now our one friend is outnumbered by at least 40 people who are godly. Mm -hmm. And our family, you know, and the common bond is the Lord. It's Mm -hmm. all... And at least Building a network. 20 other people, you know, that we've met in the Lord, brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in the Lord. And yeah. that's amazing to mm-hmm. me. Well, we're not just friends, we're family. I know. I Amen. Know. Hallelujah. I know. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm mm-hmm. so thankful for that. Praise God. And we can hardly wait for you to move out just down the street from us and then... And you can walk to, well, you, you know, I don't think you want to walk uh, when, in, during the summer months because, believe me, it can get murderously hot around here. As cold as we have, winter as we have, you know, it'll get up over 100, you know, sometimes up to 105 around here. So it can get very hot. Okay. You know, one thing I've discovered about Fredonia is we don't have much of a spring around here. It seems like we just go almost directly from the winter into the, the summer, you know. Uh, praise God. Okay, so, uh, you know, praise report too for your Christian, you know, family. Yep. Yeah, well, we're, we're always here for you, uh, Marlena. You know, we love you. Okay. Hey. All the people that were at our RV park this week. Mm-hmm. Campers for Christ. Mm-hmm. We were really blessed there. Hallelujah. And everybody's like packing up and, and moving on. Mm-hmm. So safe travels for all those people. Okay. Okay. Any other prayer requests? Okay. Uh, well, we always pray for a couple of other things before the family and friends. What do we pray for? Rain. Okay. <laughs> Susie remembers that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pray for rain and then we pray for our nation and the other nations too. Yeah. Israel. Okay, the nations we always pray for. Okay, any other prayer requests? Thailand. Yep, well, I, I just include them on, on our nations automatically. Family and friends? Okay, any other ones? Okay, who's got an unspoken request? Raise up your hands. Raise them high. Okay, good. Okay, unspoken. Okay, there's no other uh, request. Let's go to the Lord and pray.